It's an invitation that he offers to every one of us. Go all in. Jesus is telling us this world has nothing to offer you that is greater than me. Go all in. Is the reality of who Jesus is. Have we gotten to the place where we just say he is worthy? He is worth it. He is worth pushing all my chips to the middle of the table. Maybe for you today, it is time to ante up. Grabbing his hand, it costs you nothing, but it will demand everything of your life. It's time to go all in. I'm 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 all in. When Jesus came here to earth and began his ministry, he wasn't looking for fans. He wasn't looking for people that would stand on the sidelines and just applaud the things that he was doing. He came looking for followers and specific kinds of followers. What around here we're calling all in followers of Jesus. When we get to the beginning of the book of Acts, following the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, as the church is being launched, the text tells us that Jesus had a collection of 120 men and women. They weren't fans. These were followers, all in followers of Jesus. And you know what they did? They changed the world. They turned the world upside down. Jesus came to make all-in followers of Jesus, and we believe that's our calling as a church as well. How do we move people to become all-in followers of Jesus? And what does that even mean? As Brian said earlier, we're, we're talking about people that are willing to surrender their time for the sake of God's kingdom. People that will surrender their talents, their natural gifts, their spiritual gifts, to invest in the things that God is doing in and around the world. That they would surrender their treasure their finances and the material blessings of this world, that they would invest that for the sake of God's kingdom. And ultimately, they would surrender their plans, that they would hold their life up, and they wouldn't, wouldn't hold their life so dear that they wouldn't say, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to be, I'm all in with you. We're gonna look at a story today when Jesus called those very first followers of his, and it's gonna give us a picture that helps us understand what are the things that are actually true about people who are all in followers of Jesus. Luke chapter five, starting in verse one. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who was also called Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore, and then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Jesus hops a ride in Peter's boat, and he gets a little bit away from the shore using the natural acoustics of the water to create kind of an amphitheater that allowed him to speak to multitudes, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people along the shore. But as we're gonna find out from Jesus, he was not impressed with crowds. He wasn't looking 
for fans. Because fans come and fans go, crowds come and crowds go. What Jesus was looking for was all in followers. So after he speaks the truth of the word of God to these people, he turns his attention to Peter. Simon Peter, a potential all-in follower of him. Here's what he says. He said, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simple request. But this request creates a lot of angst for Peter because there's a problem. Peter is a pro fisherman. He knows how to fish and how to not fish. He knows that it is daytime right now, and he knows what fish do in the daytime. They go out into the deep, and they go way down to the bottom where they can stay cool. And when the fish come out, they come out at night. They come to the surface and feed, and that's when you go out and fish. That's when you cast your nets. It's the wrong time of the day, and besides that, there's this pile of nets that Peter's been cleaning, a reminder to him over and over that the whole night he had spent fishing, they caught absolutely zero. And you got this rookie Jesus trying to tell him what to do about fishing. Seriously, that'd be like me trying to tell John Oakland how to fly fish. When I go out with John Oakland, I do everything he tells me to do. Because if there's a fish out there, John can catch it. Trust me, John can catch it. I listen to him. Jesus is a rookie. Peter's a pro. Peter is an experienced fisherman. I mean, Jesus is just a handyman for crying out loud. Peter has been out all night and Jesus just showed up into the boat. So you can imagine this request seems way out of bounds, completely counterintuitive to Peter. But Peter realizes that this is the rabbi. There's respect there. But his response, just listen to his response. You've got to almost hear the sound of a little skeptical edge in what he says. Luke chapter five, verse five. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. He calls him Master also translated Lord, he realizes the respect that is due to Jesus. Jesus, you're the master. But I think Peter wants to say to Jesus, Jesus, you are the master theologian. You are the master teacher. You are the master miracle worker. You are a master of a lot of things other than fishing. Jesus, fishing, that is my deal. But then... Peter uses a little conjunction. I think it was one of the most important conjunctions that Peter ever used in his life. He said, but, but, contrast. And then I believe, and I would argue this with anybody, I think the next six words out of the mouth of Peter are the most important words that he probably uttered in all of his life. He said, but, Because you say so, I will. Jesus, because you say so, I will. I want you to say that with me. Because you say so, I will. 
One more time with a little bit of energy. Let's go now. Because you say so, I will. Jesus, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Those words changed the trajectory of Peter's life. And when we follow the life of Peter, that heart and those words marked his life as well. And it needs to mark the life of anyone who wants to be an all-in follower of Jesus. Those words need to be etched on our heart and on our mind. Because you say so, I will. Friends, we're simply talking about the idea that an all-in follower of Jesus is marked by obedience. Because you say so, I will. If you choose to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to listen to his voice, if you want him to speak to you through his scriptures, there are gonna be times in your life when Jesus asks you to do things that just like Peter, don't make sense to you. They're completely counterintuitive to what you think might be the right thing to do. It might not be what everyone else is doing, what your friends are doing, what even your mama might be telling you to do. But an all-in follower of Jesus is marked by those words because you say so, I will. If you choose to follow, you will follow Jesus. You will regularly be confronted with the trajectory of your life, just like Peter was. And if that's not happening to you, if you're not adjusting your life, transforming your life, transforming your plans based on the will and the word of God, I've got to be honest with you. I don't know if Jesus is your king. I don't believe that he is your Lord. He might be your advisor. He might be a consultant that you listen to and maybe weigh what he says and decide on your own whether you're not you're going to do it. But an all-in follower of Jesus doesn't weigh our own words, doesn't weigh the world around us. And all in followers, Jesus says, because you say so, I will. What's the response? What's the response to Peter's obedience? You know what the result was? Breakthrough. Miracle happened in his life. Let's read the text as it continues. Verse six. When they had done so, meaning they obeyed, they threw the nets out, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Breakthrough. Miracle happened as the result of one decision to say, because you say so, I will. I'm not gonna play it safe. I'm gonna take risk. Even if it doesn't make sense to me, Jesus, I'm yours and I'm going to obey. I'm willing to take risk for you. I was in high school in the late 80s and early 90s. It was when the Michael Jordan era was taking off. I loved Michael Jordan. I loved following his career. It was so fun this last year when that series came out, The Last Dance, talking about his last 
season, but also talking a lot about his career. I felt like I was reliving the late 80s and early 90s of my life. The stories that they told. One of my favorites, maybe a a little-known story, did you know that Michael Jordan did not like Nike? Can you even imagine that being true? He did not want to sign a shoe deal with Nike shoes. Everything in him wanted to sign with Adidas. And you know what? You know what made him go and meet, even just meet with Nike? His mama. His mama told him, you need to go talk to them. And even Michael Jordan knows well enough to listen to your mama. You do what your mama says. He goes to Nike. They offer him a deal, but he doesn't want to sign with him. His idea is like, I'm going to go back to Adidas and say, would you just meet their offer? I would love to sign with you. You know what they said? They said no. Why? Why did they say no to him? Some of the documentary around that talks about how the executives of Adidas, the people that signed those kinds of deals, they signed deals with big men, the centers. Those were the people that they signed. They said, Michael Jordan is too short. And the, the European contingency of the Adidas Corporation just said, you know, we want to sign someone with a little more international appeal than Michael Jordan. Is that not just laughable, thinking about that today? I try to imagine, who was the buck stops person at Adidas that made the final decision, said, we're going to say no to Michael Jordan? What did his career end up looking like if he had a career? I imagine his career looked like him walking into his office every day, grabbing the sides of his desk and just beating his head against his desk. I could have signed Michael Jordan. When Nike signed Michael, their goal over the first four years, if we can have $3 million of revenue in Michael Jordan's shoes, we will be a success. Year one, $126 million in Air Jordans sold. Over the course of his career, even beyond his basketball playing career, Jordan earned $1.3 billion from Nike. It's more than I make in a month. It's incredible. (laughs) Unwilling to take risk. Playing it safe. Do what you think is best. Now, honestly, shoes don't matter. Shoes don't matter at all. But you know what does matter? Is I think we can do the same thing. We can play it safe. Be unwilling to take risk. Be unwilling to follow God into the things that he's inviting us into because we want to play it safe and we miss the breakthrough. We miss the miracle. Just think about Peter. That one decision, that one decision in his life changed everything. It could have been just as easy that he says to Jesus, nah, I'm all right. You go ahead, do someone else. Someone else take him out there. Someone else experiences that, that miracle, that breakthrough. And suddenly, we don't even know who Simon Peter is. He just goes on with his life, and nobody knows who he is. Friends, you could be one decision of obedience away from breakthrough. You don't know. One decision 
from a miracle that God wants to do in your life. Maybe he is asking you, let go of that sin that you are holding on to because it is killing you. It is drowning you. It's got you by the throat. Let it go. Obey me. Maybe you're at a place where there's a sacrifice that you know that God is asking you to make on his behalf, but you're holding on tightly to something, unwilling to let go. Maybe it's your time, maybe it's your talents, maybe it's your treasure, maybe it's your plans. It could be anything. Because you say so, I will. Maybe there's a ministry opportunity God is calling you into. But you're thinking, I don't know if I can do that. It seems overwhelming. I don't know if I have what it takes. You could be one decision away from God's miracle, from God's breakthrough in your life. All in followers of Jesus, they say, because you say so, Jesus, I will. That's his heart. Interesting response to this miracle with Peter. You know, I I kind of imagine in that scene, like, wouldn't Peter just be excited? You know, kind of high-fiving his other fisherman buddies, high-fiving Jesus, I mean, he's probably got a business plan for Jesus, all worked out. Jesus, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna make tons and tons of money. Come on, let's do it. That's not his response at all. In fact, the scene takes a very, very serious turn. Verse eight, when Simon Peter saw this, talking about this miracle, this breakthrough, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. There's something way beyond the excitement of the miracle that's happening in Peter. Something deeper, something way, way more profound. See, when he sees this miracle, Peter knows Who has control over creation? Who is it that controls the fish of the sea? It is God and God alone. He knows that he is standing in the majesty of God in some way, the holiness of God. And what happens to Peter is in the presence of holiness. It's like a spotlight that shines on our own life. And it shows our lack of that, our lack of holiness our sinfulness, our unworthiness before a majestic and a great God. That's why an all-in follower of Jesus, one thing that you're gonna see in their life is a reverence, an absolute reverence for the holiness of God. The presence of God's holiness, friends, it's like this, think about it like this. It's like a storm on a lake. As the storm starts to stir up the water on the top, it starts to stir up things in the bottom of the lake and things start to surface, things that you don't always see. That's what the holiness of God does. It starts to stir up things in our life and allows us to see things that maybe we don't want anyone else to see and we don't even want to see it ourselves and much less have God see that. That's what happens in the presence of God. We're seen for who we really are. That's how you know you're in God's presence. This is how it started from the very, very beginning. Adam and Eve, the first sin that even entered the world, what did they do? They hid 
Everything in me was just like, everything in them was just like Peter. Go away from me. And God went after them. It was like the Israelites when they were seeing Moses go up on Mount Sinai and engage with the presence of God. They weren't excited about it. They were terrified. They quaked in fear, wondering what was gonna happen to Moses. They knew what was in them. Think about Isaiah, the prophet, when he went to the temple and the presence of God manifested itself in the most powerful way. What was Isaiah's response? He says, woe, woe to me. I am undone. I am ruined. I am unraveling. I'm coming apart at the seams. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. That's what happens in the holiness of God. And that's what Peter is experiencing, just like all these others who had gone before him experienced. We've got it done. Here's what Jesus did not say to Peter in that moment. He didn't say, Peter, don't talk that way. You just need to believe in yourself. You just need to have confidence and your abilities and everything's gonna be fine. He didn't give him some kind of a self-help book to try to change his life because he knows what Peter is experiencing is the most normal experience and we have to experience it, friends, if we're ever gonna be an all-in follower of Jesus because it's that awareness of our sinfulness and our brokenness and our unworthiness that makes the beauty of what Jesus did for us so great. Our sinfulness puts the good in the good news of the gospel. I think as I was writing this, I was thinking about friends of mine that have talked about coming to church. And they'll say things like, I just don't feel like I'll belong there with everybody else. You don't know what's going on in my life. A friend recently said, I feel like if I walk in there, I'm gonna be found out. Sometimes people say, even kind of in a joking way, if I go in there, I'm gonna get struck by lightning. I don't want people to feel that way necessarily, but here's what I say is encouraging to me. I think they're actually engaging with the real God because that's what happens when we engage with the real God. We're seen for who we really are and that's what changes our life. Because that's true of all of us. Every one of us deserve to be, to say to God, go away from me because we're all needy. But here's what you need to hear about Peter. Eventually, he gets it. Eventually, he understands. I wanna look really quickly at a story. This was a story at the very beginning of the life and ministry of Jesus when he calls Peter. I wanna look at another story of the life of Peter at the very end of the ministry of Jesus. And there are so many parallels to this story. It's not the same account, but it's parallel in terms of what actually happens. This is a story that happens three years later after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, you gotta keep this in mind. Peter hasn't seen Jesus since he had denied him three times. He's not laid eyes on him. They've not talked. You know what Peter's doing? He went back to fishing. He and his buddies went back to fishing. Jesus called him out of fishing. He was gone back to fishing. But Jesus not letting him get off that easy. John 21, here's the account. 
Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Don't you kind of love it that Jesus can kind of poke at people a little bit? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. The pro fishermen, when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Sound familiar? It does to me. But here's what is the difference. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. Very different response from Peter. Luke 5, Peter, three years ago, go away from me, Jesus. John 21, Peter, I can't get to the feet of Jesus fast enough. What changed in the heart and the mind of Peter? He realized the goodness of the gospel. Our sinfulness doesn't disqualify us from love and acceptance from Jesus. The cross changed everything. Our sin, Peter's sin, paid for by the death, burial, and resurrection. But Peter understood what it felt like to feel that sense of sinfulness and unworthiness. But that's what created this moment for him to throw his life at the feet of Jesus. I trust you. I am all in. The greater our awareness of our need for God's forgiveness, the greater our willingness to go all in, to go big with him in every way. Our sin is greater and deeper than any of us really know, but the grace and the acceptance of God is bigger than we could ever dream. Luke 5, Peter, let's go back there. Because he felt in this moment that he was disqualified in some way. But what does Jesus do? Jesus doesn't disqualify him. He actually just changes the trajectory of Peter's life. He gives him a new vision for his life. He gives him a vision for the mission. And when I say mission, I'm talking about the mission of Jesus. Here's the response of Jesus, Luke 5.10. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. These fishermen that were trembling before the holiness of God, they heard words from Jesus that had to be mind-blowing to them, that would forever change them. He said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. That word there that's translated, that fish for, sometimes translated catch, it literally means to catch alive. He's talking about changing the complete metaphor for the life of Peter. Peter, up until this time, You've been about fishing for live things and you pull them onto their boat and they become dead things and you sell them for money. Peter, I've got a different vision for your life. From now on, 
you're gonna go out and find dead things, spiritually dead things. And you're gonna collect them and you're gonna pull them into the boat with me, into my life, and they're gonna come alive in this life and for the life to come. Peter, are you in with me? Are you in for this new place? Jesus is just trying to say, Peter, you gotta have a bigger vision for your life. Don't live for something that's small. See, he's saying, Peter, you can go after these fish and all the dollars associated with it, but I'm calling you to something more. I'm calling you to people and destinies. He's like saying, Peter, what is it? Do you want the dollars? Is that what you want your life to be about or do you want it to be about destinies? Because you think this was fun, pulling in all these fish. Imagine how fun it's gonna be when you're changing the eternities of people. Peter, are you in? Are you in with me? Because here's what's true of an all-in follower of Jesus. His mission becomes our mission. His ultimate plan that he's orchestrating in this world becomes part of our plan. We think about how do we weave our vision into his vision? How does our heart start to beat for the things that his heart beats for? How do our tears weep for the things that his tears wept for? And it's people. That's the only thing that's going to matter forever. It's people. He made it so clear what his mission statement was. Luke 19, 10, he says, the son of man came to do what? Simply to seek and save what was lost. Nothing else matters for eternity. An all-in follower of Jesus is willing to let go of the smaller vision of the stuff of this life to grab a hold of a bigger, grander vision. But Peter and the boys, they had a decision to make. I mean, this is just a cool story to us, but to them, real time, this was a life decision. What am I going to do? Am I going to be about the fish? Am I going to be about people? What is it that I'm going to do? Verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything and they followed him. Amen. In a moment, in a moment, they walked away from everything. They completely reoriented all of what they were about in this life. Were they crazy? Were they crazy? I mean, what's their family going to say? Peter, what's your mama going to say? They say, how are you going to take care of yourself? How are the finances going to work? Is Jesus offering you a 401k and dental? Peter, are you asking the right questions? What are you going to do? Peter says, no, I'm all in. They dropped their nets and they followed him. All in. They made their plans his plans. His plans, their plans. They melded, they meshed their vision with him. In 2008, China hosted the Summer Games in Beijing. A lot of national pride. When the delegation 
of athletes came into the stadium there in Beijing, the crowd absolutely erupted. When they saw Yao Ming and their national flag, they were cheering beyond belief. Yao Ming, NBA superstar, probably one of the most recognizable athletes in all of China, was carrying the flag. But there was this little boy right beside Yao Ming, Lin Hao. Why was Lin Hao with him, helping carry in the flag? Well, a handful of months before this picture was taken, there was an incredible earthquake in China, in the Sichuan province of China, 7.9 on the Richter scale. 70,000 people went to their death in that earthquake. Lin Hao was a little boy right in the middle of it. His school collapsed around him that day. And he found himself in the hallway, almost being crushed by two of his classmates. They were still alive, but unconscious. Lin Hao, he saw some light and he started to follow it. He figured out how to get out of the rubble. But when he got out of the rubble, you know what Lin Hao did? He went back in to the rubble to save his classmates. I mean, nobody would have ever given this boy any grief if he never went back in there. But he said, I've got to help my classmates. He got back in there and was able to figure out how to drag the first little boy out, took him out, gave them to the authorities. The authorities gave him back to his mom. Lin Howe went back in, aftershocks, still causing more things to crumble. He's getting injured as he does this. You can't really see it in the picture, but there's a big scar on the side of his head from going back in. But he went back in and he grabbed a hold of another classmate and he started to pull him out of the rubble and he brought him safely out. You know what I love about this story? They asked Lin Howe, this little nine-year-old boy, why did you go back in? He said, my teacher, my teacher asked me to be the hall monitor. It's my job to take care of my classmates. It's my job. This little nine-year-old boy risking everything because his identity was in being a hall monitor. Friends, do we have a higher calling than that? To reach out and to rescue people that are dying apart from Christ? Do we have anything more important going on in our life? Do we have anything more important going on in our church? Friends, just like Lynn Howe, we've got a job to do. You know who does it? All in followers of Jesus. People who are willing to say, Jesus, my life belongs to you. My time, my talents, my treasures, my plans, everything's yours. I belong to you. You tell me what to do. Because you say so, I will do anything that you ask me to do. Friends, that's why this is our mission statement. Jesus called people to be all in with him. Come into a relationship with me. But it didn't stop there. 
He continually invited them to go all in, all in, all in. Give everything to me. And if that was the mission of Jesus, it needs to be our mission as well. We're gonna lead people to become all in followers of Jesus with our time, our talents, our treasures, and our plans. What's your next step in going all in? I don't have to wonder if Jesus is inviting you to do that. He is. It's just a matter of what he's asking you to do. How are you gonna respond to his invitation? Are you gonna walk away? Are you gonna say simply, because you say so, I will. I wanna give us this morning a chance to tangibly respond to whatever invitation you sense that Jesus might be giving to you today. Maybe the invitation that you know is that you've never made him your king. You've never said, Jesus, my life belongs to you. And it would be that simple act of saying, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be on the throne of my life. I want you to call the shots. Because you say so, I will. Maybe there's another step. I don't know what it is, but the question that I have is, are you willing to go all in? Are you willing to take all your chips, all your poker chips, and bet them all on Jesus? on his life, on his mission, making your life about the things that his life is about. I wanna give you an opportunity this morning to make a tangible response. Here's what we're gonna do. Down here in front, we've got this poker table with some poker chips. If you're willing, if you wanna say, Jesus, whatever it is that you have for me, I'm all in. This is what I want you to do. If you feel comfortable moving around in a group, I want you to come up and I want you to grab one of these poker chips. And I want you to sign this sign that says, all in. I'm all in. And if you're watching online, what we would love for you to do is in the chat, you can just type your name there and I will personally write your name on this sign for you. But come up and grab a chip. And here's what I want you to do with this chip. I want you to keep it in a place where you're gonna see it. Maybe it's on your dresser. Maybe it's on the sink in the bathroom. Maybe it's on the dash of your car where you're gonna see it regularly. When you look at it, it's gonna be a reminder, Jesus, I am all in with you. Because you say so, I will. Go anywhere, do anything, be anyone that you want me to be. Jesus, I'm all in. The band is going to play a couple of songs and there's opportunity for you to come up here. There's going to be plenty of time. And if there's not enough time during that or you don't feel comfortable moving in this space, this is going to be sitting up here afterwards. You can come up and grab a chip and write your name. Let me pray. Jesus, we trust you. Going all in with you and for you makes all the sense in the world. Thank you that you were willing to die for us in our place, to remind us of your goodness, to remind us of your love, to remind us of your acceptance. Jesus, we can't look at that and not say that you don't have our best interests at heart. We trust you. We wanna give it all. Jesus, you can have it all. We are all in with you. 
And it's in your powerful and resurrected name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.